0: I am trying to do the impossible because the Bible declares that offenses must come and heresies must come that those which are approved might be manifested and so in other words No matter what you do you can't please everybody Amen and Paul put it this way if I seek to please men I should not be the servant of Christ and so as a pastor, I don't want to offend anybody, but if I choose to please everybody else, I end up offending somebody, and his name is Jesus. And so I've got to make sure that we we break down things and, and talk about things like convictions, and I want to do that here tonight, but my goal and my intent is never to offend you, but my goal is to encourage you, to propel you and to push you and to pull you further into your walk with God, Amen. Convictions are something that I felt very strongly to talk about, especially when I went off to visit uh, my family in Spokane. And I, I, you know, there's something about going back to your roots that it it starts bringing up memories. And I've lived for God. This August will have been tw- it will be 19 years that I've served God, and in that, visiting family members and visiting my home church and visiting. Uh, friends, it starts to bring up memories of some landmark moments and decisions that had to be made for me to be here tonight. And I felt so strongly to talk to the church about convictions here tonight. Convictions are the guardrails of life and your Christian walk. It's been said, and and Brother Silva had told me this, uh, quote, if you keep your convictions then your convictions will keep you. Amen. A Christian must have convictions or they are not truly a Christian. I've heard people say, you can't build a church in this generation with convictions. But I would challenge that thought process and tell you that it's not really a church without convictions. It might be a social club, it might be a hangout where you like people, but without convictions, we are not a church. We are just a bowling club. Without a conviction, we are nothing more than a men of food club. We are nothing more than a group of people of, of singular interests. But to be a Christian, you and I must have convictions. A Christian that lets go of convictions would be called a compromiser. A Christian that does not grow in their convictions, the Bible would declare that they are lukewarm. A Christian that lives opposite to the conviction but acts as if they live the conviction is what we would call a hypocrite. A Christian that teaches the opposite of a conviction that they were taught and they once believed would be declared to be a reprobate. And a Christian that grows in conviction would be called a mature saint. Anybody want to be a mature saint of God here tonight? Amen. The Bible teaches us of three kinds of convictions that God expects every mature Christian to adhere to. Number one, everybody say biblical convictions. You got to have biblical convictions But here's the secret to biblical convictions. You're going to need to have a Bible. Hallelujah. Let me put a plug in there. If you've not been getting through the Bible in a year, our goal is to have over 21. We're looking for 22 and 21. We'll just try to be overflowing in that. It's not too late to grab a hold of one of these. They're in the back right there next to Brother Lavin, and you can grab a hold of them, and there's a little chart you can catch up on, and all you're doing is taking the Word of God, and you are putting it in your mind. David put it this way, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, Sin against you. You can't ever get God's Word in your heart if you don't first get it in your head and In order to have biblical convictions You're going to have to know the Bible and uh, it, It amazes me how many times people want to be Apostolic, but they don't want to read their Bible They want to be apostolic, but they've never picked up the Word of God for themselves unless I say turn to this scripture i want you to know that you can't truly be a christian without grabbing your bible and somebody said amen biblical convictions are those things that are explicitly commanded in the scripture and are demanded to have immediate obedience amen Uh, and somebody said delayed obedience is disobedience when you see it in the word of god you don't need a five-week treatise. all you've got to do is see that in the word of god and say whatever god says That's what I'm going to do. Whatever the word of God says, whether I like it or not, I'm going to adhere to the biblical conviction. We find an example of this in Daniel chapter 1 and 8. If you'd like to turn there, you can. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. Sorry to the media team, I wasn't able to get this to you here tonight. I only got one other verse. The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart, That he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel was taken into a foreign land under foreign laws, foreign customs, and foreign foods. But yet he held to the biblical conviction, amen, that under the Old Testament law, he was not to eat certain things. Amen. It would have been very easy for Daniel to still appear to be Jewish just by holding to this or to hold to that. But he knew in order to be in alignment with my biblical convictions, I would rather starve to death. Amen. Having convictions might cost you something you got to have the level of conviction to be a Christian in this hour that says it does not matter if the king himself offers it to me or the president of the United States offers it to me or if big brother in the government offers it to me or if my boss offers it to me or if the world offers it to me. Amen. I, I don't want to defile myself or break my convictions in order to please other people. Somebody said, Amen. We've got to hold to biblical convictions. These are things that no matter what anybody says, we cannot let these things slip out of our hands. I think it was Elder Johnson said, We are one gener we could be one generation away from everything slipping. In one generation, what somebody somebody said, What one generation does in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. And my pastor was this way, and I pastor this way. Uh, my goal is to set the bar here. Amen. So that if 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 missing heaven is here, you're all right. (laughs) I want to set the bar here so that if somebody falls a little short, they're going to be okay. I'd rather not get as close to hell as they can get. I want to get them as close to heaven as they can get. And somebody said, amen. We've got to have biblical convictions. We are people of the Bible. Amen. We, we, we cannot say we are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church if we do not hold to what the Bible itself declares. Okay, there's another level. Everybody say church convictions or corporate convictions. Some standards are set for us. When you look at the word standard, in the biblical times, a standard was a banner. It was a flag. These were used by nations and people to identify them as being part of a particular nation. This is reflected often, most practically, in how we look and how we dress. It is quickly identifying and it is quickly identifiable. Practically speaking, a standard is a simple reflection of our values and our principles. Amen, when we look through the Word of God, everything goes back to a value or a principle. There is a large, amen, connection between our principles and our standards. We are a people of principles. These are established by spiritual leadership, amen, and we have to look at the biblical model, the biblical principle, and we've got to apply them to modern situations, Man, these are usually understood and implemented gradually as a believer matures. And as a, as a Christian, it's okay to come in the door crawling. Amen. when a child's born, we don't expect them to have a 401K. Amen. we don't expect them to, to, to be able to take care of themselves. When somebody comes into the church, give them mercy. They're growing. They're learning. Peter says they desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. But the word of God is seen in three different levels it's milk, it's bread, and it's meat. Amen. You got to get from the milk and you got to move on to a sandwich. And from the sandwich, you got to move on to some protein. Amen. And Paul talked about the meat of the word of God. Some are not able to handle it, some are not mature enough to handle it. Uh, there's some folks that just come to church and they love cotton candy. They love a lot of Pentecostal sayings and, and phraseology. And, and, and man, they'll shout with that. But if you tell them they got to get up and pray, well, there, there comes a moment where there's a disconnect. You can talk to them about stomping on the devil and they'll shout with you. But the moment you tell them they got to forgive the person that is on the pew next to them after that person just offended them, now they've got a problem. Amen, we're talking about convictions here tonight. Amen, these are principles that we've got to hold on to. And we've got to allow that word of God to grow in us and to help us grow. Amen, and, and it's one thing to be crawling when you are an infant. But if you are crawling at 40 years, we've got troubles and we've got to get you to the doctor. Amen, if you've got if you've got speech problems and you've been living for God for a while but you still cuss, we've got to talk to you about that. It's all right if you show up. I remember when I first got saved, I I called uh, Pastor Mayo, Rick. Amen. I called him Rick. I didn't even well Some of y'all didn't know the pastors had first names. Yeah. And I said, all right, what's up, Rick? Bleep, bleep, bleep. Okay, that's fine when I first walked in. But there's got to be a level of maturity where I grow in respect. I grow in other levels. Amen. It's one thing when I first got saved for uh, somebody to uh, punch me or hit me or uh, push me, and, and I strike back as fast as possible because it was in my nature. It's another thing, amen, when I've been living for God for a while, and God has changed my nature, uh, and, and, and I still strike back every time somebody strikes me. Amen. There's got to come a point where I start holding to those convictions. Somebody said amen. Samson's a great example of this because Samson was born into his convictions. The convictions were given to his mother and father and then put onto his life. This is great for a lot of folks that were raised in church that don't always know the why behind things. We can always have a conversation. But regardless of whether you know the why or not, those convictions were passed down to you. Those traditions were passed down to you. Amen, and thank God if you had a praying mother or father, a praying grandmother or grandfather that presented the gospel to you that, amen, you had a drug problem, they drug you to church, they drug you to the altar, they drug you everywhere else, amen, to the church events and to the potluck, and praise God for that. But Samson is an example of somebody that had these these corporate convictions that were from his household, that were given to him, that there is no explicit word, in the the scriptures, not everybody was called to be a Nazarite. There was a select few. In fact, you'll find it, that it was something to be done by choice. And yet Samson did not have a choice in the matter. But you watch Samson's life, the convictions were chosen for him. How many convictions, amen, were given to generational Pentecost? And, 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 and with some of that, we've got to be willing to have some flex because our methods can change, but our message cannot. And some people say the old way is the best way. i found a lot of old ways that don't work. Uh, you know, old cars don't always work better. <laughs> Sometimes you need a new vehicle. Praise God. Uh, but, but we cannot change the message. There's got to be a message in there that does not change, a principle that does not change. But Samson lived by this mindset. How many convictions that were delivered to me corporately are delivered to me from my church or from my family or from my heritage? How many of those convictions can I eliminate and still have power? Somebody said amen here tonight. We've got to be careful of this because we will come to the level of saying, well, does that really matter? And, and 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 the church is like a, a bunch of building blocks. mean, anybody, anybody ever played Jenga? There's some folks play Jenga with God. How many of these blocks can I remove before the whole thing collapses? how many of these blocks can I remove from my family before everything collapses? Amen. you got to be careful when you start removing things that whether you knew it or not were foundational to your life. I've dealt with a lot of young people that they didn't understand something or agree with something because they were raised in church. and I tried to explain it to them, but they were not in a position to discuss it at that moment. And so they decided to walk away from God and they started removing one block after another not realizing that one block was holding up the other block. They came to church, and they they were in church, and you could see it. They were getting blessed. They got a driver's license. They got a job, and there was principles underlying their entire life. Uh, Amen. There were convictions that were going through, the conviction of a hard work ethic, the conviction of being faithful, the conviction. Amen. These things that maybe they didn't understand at the moment, but they removed the block altogether, and they backslid. And I watched as they lost that job, and they lost that car, and everything started collapsing around them what happened they didn't realize that those convictions and those what seemed like minor things uh, those nails that were just even didn't seem like a whole much in the in the board of life uh, and they removed it and the entire house collapsed i feel that i feel that here tonight hey, amen we've got to be careful we don't let any of those kind of things slip let's lift up our hands and let's pray come on let's pray for a moment because We cannot remove things, amen, and expect everything to stay the same. We cannot remove convictions and expect our lives to continue to progress. We cannot remove convictions and expect our Christianity to mature, somebody pray right now, in the name of Jesus. I don't want to be like Samson. I don't want to remove convictions out of my life. Even if I might not understand them at the moment, I want to hold to convictions. Let's pray. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to notice something about Samson. Well, Pastor, I don't understand all convictions. Well, let's talk about them. Let's discuss them. Let's have a conversation over them. Samson didn't understand them. He's not allowed to touch dead things, and yet he picks up the jawbone of a donkey, thus breaking one of his convictions. He's not allowed to drink alcohol, but you see him partying with a prostitute by the name of Delilah making himself morally impure. And Samson, as a Nazarite, was not allowed to cut the locks of his hair, and, 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 and she kept asking him, what is the secret of your power? Which lets us know the power was not in his muscles. And let me just say this, scripturally speaking, the power for Samson was not his prayer life, because the only time we see Samson pray is after he's fallen. Samson's power was not in his ability to dance and worship at church because we never see him do it not one time. Samson's power was not in his ability to quote scripture because he didn't quote not one scripture. In fact, Samson doesn't even talk about God. All he talks about is his negative view of the convictions that his parents put on him. And you watch, Samson's power was not in prayer, it was not in worship, but Samson's power was tied up in the convictions that he held to, whether he understood them or agreed with them or any of that at all. Can I preach for a moment? Church, we've got to hold fast, amen, to the faith that we have received, amen, whether it be by the tradition of our fathers or explicitly in the scriptures because there's power, wonder-working power. When we hold to those things and we don't let any of them slip because we know that they are holding up the foundation of the apostolic church, they are holding up ARC, they are holding up your family, How many locks do people need to lose before they lose out with God? How many convictions have to disappear before they wake and they shake themselves? And now God's nowhere around. Amen. Can I preach it how I feel it here tonight? There's people that would say, well, church is optional. And so they skip enough church until church is no longer an option. The devil's tricky. He'll cut away little bit by little bit uh, until he gives you a full buzz cut. Uh, And now there's nothing left. Uh, And now you walk and wander through life uh, without any convictions at all. But people without convictions uh, are people without power. But people that have convictions uh, can turn the world upside down. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise here tonight. Or we're not like Samson. Hey, Amen. Everybody say personal convictions. Personal convictions are these things that are prompted by the Holy Ghost in the individual lives due to their unique backgrounds of, the, of each believer and may have no relevancy to any other believer. If you have your Bibles, I got one more scripture for you Romans chapter 14, verses 5 through 6. Romans chapter 14, verses 5 through 6. Thank you, Brother Johnson. He is he's back in his old position. Amen. Running the sound here tonight while the whirlies are on vacation. Amen. Amen. The Bible says one man esteems one day above the other. Another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded, another way of saying this, be fully convicted in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it to the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he does not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord, he eateth it not, and he gives God thanks. Can I help somebody here tonight that are the parking lot prophets? If God is speaking to you, hallelujah, It could just be that God is speaking just to you. Hallelujah. Amen. There are biblical principles and convictions. And I will do my best, amen, as your pastor to continually bring them forward, amen, as the years go on and present them to you. Here are the scriptures, amen, as the pastor, I will draw lines as Moses did around the mountain. And I will say, I think this is a safe guardrail for you and for your family and for this church. And I'll draw that line. Nobody else needs to do that. But because of your unique background, your unique thought process, God's going to speak to you in a way that that will not contradict his word and will not contradict the preaching you hear at this church. Amen. Hallelujah. God speaks to us in three different ways, in three main categories. Uh, The word of God, the spirit of God, and the man of God. None of those can contradict one another. If I ever stand up behind this pulpit and preach to you something that's not in the word of God and I say I heard it from the spirit of God, amen, I want you to know I did not hear from the spirit of God. If you ever hear from the Holy Ghost to go punch somebody, shoot somebody, and the word of God declares thou shalt not kill, you did not hear from the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Everything aligns itself. And I know of people that they have personal convictions that I cannot find in the word of God, whether it be in word or in principle. I'll never teach it. I'll never preach it. Amen. I won't draw that line because it doesn't really matter. Amen. And I know people that will go around the church, not necessarily this one, but I've been in many churches that this happened, and they'll go around and they'll try to tell other people how they need to live their lives. Can I preach to you a, 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 an example of what Jesus said? He said, if you try to take the speck out of your brother's eye, you need to first check the beam in yours. Can I be very practical here tonight? I've got too many problems in my own life to run yours. I've got too many issues in my own heart to come by and try to dictate to you every single area of your life. Praise God. Praise God. I know I, I I have friends that are pastors and they like to be micromanagers. I don't because I believe that you have a walk with God. I trust in the fact that you are trying and striving to be a Christian or you wouldn't be here tonight. And I believe that the Holy Ghost can speak to you a lot better than I can even speak to you. And and so if God starts dealing with you based on your paradigm and your background, uh, amen, if if you are convinced uh, that one day is is better than another day, amen, whether it be a Saturday Sabbath uh, or whether it be Christmas, uh, amen, you can be convinced in your own heart and your own mind, and you can say, I'm doing this for the Lord or I'm not doing this for the Lord. Let's use a controversial subject. Everybody say Christmas. If you don't believe in Christmas, good for you. If you do, good for you. But I've seen churches split over stuff like this. Well, they're pagans. Even though they just disobeyed the scripture that says don't learn the way of the heathen. Just because you have Google doesn't mean you should use it. Praise God. If you are for it, be for it. But say this is for the Lord. I'm going to celebrate Jesus was born. If you say, I don't believe in it for me personally, that's all right. You go ahead and and do whatever you do. Nobody should be judging because the biblical principle is that you and I should let the other person live for God with convictions. If you have a conviction for it or against it, live with your convictions. I had, I had I, when I first got saved, I used to listen to all sorts of uh, worldly music is what I'm going to define it as. It was pretty bad stuff. Uh, but when I got saved, I felt like the Holy Ghost started speaking to me to not listen to that stuff anymore and to only listen to Christian music. And I had somebody who had been, you know, they, were, they, were, they, were, they had thought they had it together, um, come by and tell me, you should only listen to apostolic music just looked at him I said dude if you even understood half of what I used to listen to you'd leave me alone what they were trying to do is they were trying to push on to me oh come on somebody don't get dead on me now because they had a challenge and a struggle, amen, that maybe I didn't have. Or maybe they came from a charismatic church and they struggled and they were thinking, man, this is going to take me back to the old ways. Amen, there's certain places that you cannot go that would not phase me at all. Now we can agree there's some things that are just downright sinful. Amen. There's some things that are just not becoming of a Christian. There's certain, amen, there's certain things that we should not do because the Bible says in the principle that we should not let our good be evil spoken of. I'm not going to try to go to the bar and win people. Somebody said amen. As, as much as I want to win the people at the bar, amen, I just know that it's not a place for me to be. Now, if somebody who's an alcoholic wants to come to the coffee shop and sit down for a Bible study I don't mind if they got a Coors Light in their hand uh, because I'm going to teach them the word of God but, but at the end of it all there's some places for you that are going to remind you of your past uh, and you're going to have to say uh, amen you're going to have to go with what you feel in the Holy Ghost uh, and say I've got, uh, and uh, I've got a conviction and I'm not going there I've got a conviction and I'm not going to hang out with those people I've got a conviction praise God depending on your conviction somebody said amen i got to move through this there was a child one time that he looked at his... He was out there flying a kite with his dad. And he said, "He said, Dad, if you just cut the kite loose, it'll fly. It'll have all the freedom it needs. So the dad said, go ahead, here's some scissors, cut the string. And as the little boy cut the string, expecting it to fly away, it plummeted to the ground. And the dad looked at his son and he said, the string and the tension are what anchors it to the ground, but yet keeps it in the sky. Convictions are the anchors of our Christian existence. They are what keep us as a church and as a people flying high above, Amen. The reproaches of this world, Amen. We've got to make sure that just because there's a little tension or it's a little difficult or others make fun of us, uh, that we don't get rid of that tension, Amen. Well, wouldn't it be easy, easier, Pastor, if we just, Amen, let these things slip and remove this and remove that, and wouldn't it make it a lot easier if we just change here and change there, Amen? But I have a fear, Amen. Maybe it's a godly fear, maybe. Maybe it's not. I'll let you be the judge. Uh, but I'm afraid that at the end of it all, when I'm trying to build an ark, uh, all I do is build a boat with holes. And when I'm trying to build a church, uh, all I do is build a club. And when I'm trying to build people that are true Christians, uh, all I do is build a bunch of people, amen, that, that, that don't really have it on the inside. Uh, amen. I, I don't want to remove the tension, uh, amen, and the anchoring of the Word of God and of convictions because it's the convictions that give people power. It's the convictions. Convictions that cause people to fly. It's the convictions that allow people to go above and beyond. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on, we only have a few more minutes, but I want you to pray right now. Come on. We gotta live by conviction. We gotta breathe by conviction. We gotta go to church by conviction. We gotta go to our jobs by conviction. We gotta go to the altar with conviction. We gotta leave that altar with conviction. Everything's gotta be done by convictions. Amen. I wanna I wanna end here tonight for a few more moments. And I wanna bring to my bring to light this idea and this concept. Is it a preference or is it a conviction? Everybody say preference. Although a preference is a very strong belief, it is a belief that ultimately you are willing to change because ultimately you prefer it. That's why we call it a preference. But you will change that belief under some circumstance. A preference can run into the walls of circumstance and change. The cart system here in the United States found several circumstances that would cause people to change their beliefs. This is a true test of whether your beliefs are convictions or preferences. Before I talk about those, I want to talk about what a conviction is. A conviction is something that you purpose in your heart. The courts say that a conviction is not something you merely discover. It is not something at which you accidentally arrive but it is something that you purpose in your heart and it it becomes in the fabric of your belief system. Somebody once said, crisis does not define a man. It it reveals what that man already is. There was a a Supreme Court uh, case that I I heard about in a podcast a a few months back. uh, A man by the name of Jonas Yoder. Don't name your kid Yoder. Jonas Yoder versus Wisconsin. Jonas Yoder was an Amish man and he was fighting the school district. It made its way all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court defined five basic pressures that the courts use as a test of whether or not something is a belief that is a conviction or if it's a belief that is a preference. If any of these pressures causes you to change your belief, Then all you have is a preference and not a conviction. Conviction was defined as something that a person holds to that can't be swayed in these five areas. Everybody say peer pressure. These are your friends. Almost everybody under the sound of my voice is affected in some way, shape, or form by peer pressure. Amen everybody struggles with peer pressure everybody says peer pressure is just for teenagers no it's not because there's adults that are capitulating to peer pressure on their jobs uh, amen Com- they're capitulating by their facebook friends or or or, or what somebody else has said uh, amen it's not always a bad thing to have peer pressure the bible declares that we must compel one another to good works Some peer pressure is good because some peer pressure is going to cause you to get convictions where other peer pressure is going to cause you to lose convictions. When it comes to matters of faith, the changing of belief because of peer pressure should not happen. If this does happen, it proves that your belief was not a conviction. It was nothing more than, amen, a preference. Number two, everybody say people pressures. Everybody say family pressures. Everybody say societal pressures. The court says that if family pressures are societal pressures or people amen, that are surrounding you, uh, amen, can cause you to change your beliefs, uh, then they are not convictions. They are just preferences. Uh, if, and, and here's another way of looking at it. Uh, if you require other people to stand with you, uh, then all you maintain is a preference and not a conviction. But a conviction says, uh, I don't care if the world stands against me or with me. I'm going to stand my ground as I preach on Sunday. Is anybody a Christian, amen, that can say, I'm going to stand my ground uh, whether anybody else does or not. Uh, I'm going to be apostolic uh, whether my family does it, whether my friends do it, uh, or whether you do it. Uh, I made it up in my mind. I'm apostolic uh, not because it's preferential, amen, because I've got a conviction that I'm going to be a Christian in spite of what anybody says. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Number three, everybody say lawsuit. Everybody say money. Whether it's a loss or a gain, the Bible declares we've got to be careful and watch out for filthy lucre. We cannot be bought. We cannot be sold. The church of the living God is not for sale. Let me say that again. The church of the living God is not for sale. Well, if you just change a few things around here. Well, there's some things probably could be changed, but not that. And so, ultimately, we're going to stand firm, amen, because we're, we're trying to build a, a, a church, not a club. We're trying to build an apostolic church, not a charismatic church. And I want people to be here. I really do. You've you got to know my heart. I love people, uh, but some people think that loving people means that you, you don't challenge people. But in order to love somebody, you have to be willing to challenge them. And if it's going to take somebody closer to God, we ought to challenge one another. Amen. But some people think that they can buy their way in or buy their way out of the kingdom of God. But the, but the Bible declares that the kingdom of God is not purchased with money. You can't purchase it with money. Uh, this this happens. In fact, you'd be shocked how many people I'm thankful for uh, the external board that we have and our internal board of elders in this church. But there are churches that are dictated uh, basically, well, uh, I bought the toilet seat, so we should paint the wall color this. And there's just all these fightings and bickerings. And and, and now, well, we should change this. And they they use some sort of sway. This is why I made the personal decision. I don't have a clue what anybody gives because, quite frankly, I'm going to treat everybody the same, amen, because I've made it up in my mind. I will not be bought. So if... If it comes down to it, I hope it doesn't, but you can take your money and run. Amen. Because what we're going to build is an apostolic church. Somebody shout amen. Because it doesn't matter. Somebody could walk in and say, I'll buy Apostolic Revival Center, a brand new building, cash. You can have it. No big deal. But you're going to have to change your convictions. If I change our convictions, it was not a conviction. It was nothing more than a preference. And a church without convictions is not a church. Amen. I want to tell you, we are going to be a church that holds on to convictions. We're not going to be mean spirited. We're not going to be cruel or rude, but we're going to hold on to convictions. Amen. And I'm going to preach full of conviction, not of words of man's wisdom, enticing people and trying to get people to come on to my side so that there might be some sort of gain. But what I want to do is I want to gain Christ. What I want to do is gain souls that are really going to make it to heaven what i want i'm not interested in filling up the whole church with a bunch of tares and a bunch of goats but what i want to do is fill up the church full of fruit and full of sheep and full of wheat and people that are really going to make it somebody ought to clap your hands and give god praise number four everybody say jail in america we look at this and scoff at it but even this last year one of our own brethren went to jail yeah. some people mocked him but he went for his convictions amen that don't judge anybody either way everybody say freedom you know freedoms become idolatry in america well i'm free paul said all things are lawful but not all things are expedient here's another way of putting it in plain english just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's a free country. Yeah, that's all right. But the kingdom of God has rules and regulations and has laws. And if you're going to make it in that kingdom, you're going to have to abide by them. Amen. If you, the Jesus came and he says there was a man that was offered a garment, but he didn't take it because he wanted to live by his own rules. Ain't nobody going to tell me. You know, there's a song that was famous the last few years, and one of the choruses was, Ain't nobody, can't nobody tell me nothing. That's become a societal norm. Nobody's going to tell me nothing. But what happens is they think they're living in freedom, but ultimately they're living in spiritual freedom bondage. But when we talk about convictions, one must be willing this is what the court system of America said the supreme court, the highest court of the land this is their way of defining a conviction versus a preference. Uh, one must be willing to go to jail for a belief uh, Amen. in order to do that it must require an important element. You must have a greater regard for what you believe than you have for yourself or for your own comforts. Uh, we find this in the scripture and in foreign countries uh, more than we find it here in America. The apostles So Paul spent a great amount of time in jail all by himself. The suffering that he endured must have been, amen, a nightmare. But he was willing to stand with his convictions in spite of what anybody said, in spite of what anybody thought, because he knew that my convictions mean more to me than my own personal comforts. And although I could get out of this jail by saying the right thing, amen, he said, I appeal to Caesar because I'd rather rot in this jail with conviction that live in comfort and in peace and what seems to be freedom. Somebody lift up your hands. Amen, let's stand across the building and let's lift up our hands. Come on, let's pray. Thank you for your attention here tonight. We've got to have convictions, church. This is why God's been moving in such a powerful way even over the last little bit because I believe that people are taking these words and they're applying it to their life and they're saying, God, I don't want to just have preferences. I want to have convictions. Number five. Everybody say death. The final thing the Supreme Court said, what defines a conviction over a preference? And Yoder won. Because after he lost his farm, after he lost all his money, after he was, he was shunned by his own people, after all of this, this man went to jail. And they said, even if we gave him the death penalty, he would take it. They ruled in his favor. And they defined it out. This man does not have a preference. He has a conviction. The question has been asked. If you were accused of being a Christian today, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Let me Say that again. If somebody, say we're in a foreign country, the SS comes knocking. Would there be enough evidence in your life for them to definitively say, definitively say that person's a Christian? Or was it just a preference? If you can't live for it now, you would never die for it. I I know of some people that have this weird ideology. When the Antichrist shows up, I'm ready. They got their beans, their rice, their guns, and their bunkers. I lived in the Northwest. I have a few people, Apostolic Church down the road that were like that. Oh, they were ready. They were ready with their bunkers. But yet when it came to living it in front of their neighbor... If it came down to it, let me just ask this. We have the right to assemble. right? And this last year, obviously it was, a, it, was a, it was a unique scenario. And every city and every church did what they thought was best. We did what we thought was best prayerfully. But what would happen if we could no longer assemble lawfully? I'll tell you what would happen. The people that are always here would be here underground, in a basement. Oh, pastor, I'd be there. I haven't seen you in a month. Oh, they start lopping off heads. I'll be ready. But We're trying to fill your head with Christian information and biblical knowledge. Where are you at? You have a preference, not a conviction. Because if you can't live for it, you would never die for it. I don't want to do things out of my preference. We all have preferences. Nothing wrong with that. I have a preference, you have a preference. Praise God. There's things I would not die for. There's certain things I would never I would never die for and you would never die for. But there's got to be those core beliefs. Those convictions we hold whether they are biblical whether they are corporate or whether they are personal and God gave it to you. That says you could you could do whatever you want. Burn me at the stake. As many martyrs before, but I will not compromise my convictions. Church, I don't want us to live out of preference. Because when the when the when the rubber meets the road, we're going to lose everything. Would you give if you didn't get a tax credit? Would you go to church if they were going to arrest you? Would you worship? they are going to beat you? Would you pray, even though they were going to send out a man- mandate like they did in Daniel's day, to throw you in a lion's den? Will you refuse to bow to a lost and dying world like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even under the, under the undergoing through fire that's been heated up seven times, whether God delivered you or not? Or is it just a preference? And it's America, we, we really need to hear this. Because we got brothers and sisters right now that are dying for things that we think are just no big deal. But they would give anything. They would give anything, even their lives, to hold to their convictions. I don't want to live for God out of preference. I want to live by convictions. I want to go to church not out of preference. I want to go to church with conviction. I want to witness others. Not because it's a preference of mine, because sometimes it's not, but because I have a conviction to win the lost. I want to worship, not because I'm interested in who's there or who's not. I want to worship God because I have a conviction to worship God. I want to be a giver, not because I care what anybody thinks about me, or or that I get a blessing out of it. If I didn't get a blessing out of it, so be it. I have a conviction. I have I'm submitted to my pastor, not because I care if anybody here thinks that or knows that. I do that because I have a conviction about submission. You could go down the list in your life, and you could start thinking, is that a conviction of mine or just a preference? Let's lift up our hands let's pray. I'm done. I've got more I could talk about, but I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the sweet presence of God. Come on, all across this building, I, I thank you for your attention here tonight. Church, we've got to live by conviction. When I read this word I don't want to just read it to get a sermon, but I've got a conviction that it's the word of life and that the worlds were framed by it. When I pray, I don't want to just pray so I can get something out of God like He's a vending machine, but I've got a conviction. When I live my life, whether you're watching or not, I want God to see that it's not a preference of mine. It's a conviction. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? Come on, let's pray all across the building. Would you come down to this altar, amen, and lift up your hands? Again, this is not an admission of guilt. This is an opportunity to say, God, maybe there's some areas of my life that have been preferential up until this point. But, Lord, would you you take me a little deeper? God, maybe there's some areas where I live and I adhere to biblical and, 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 and church standards and, and church convictions, and I've upheld them since I was a young, amen, child of God. But but today, God, I want you to speak to me about my personal life. And maybe there's some things that you want to talk to me about that I can grow in that I don't want to just get to a level where I think I've hit them all. Amen, God, if there's another level in you that you can take me to, amen, another level level of conviction. Would you take me to that next level of conviction? Oh, somebody pray. Come on, I will be saved.